the Federal Reserve is pausing its interest rate hikes because, well, its members are confused and conflicted. There's a group of them that want to be ultra hawkish, ultra aggressive, pointing to especially core consumer price numbers, while others say, well, you know, this banking system, this banking crisis, it might not be over, and we don't know yet exactly what the fullest extent of it will be in terms of fallout in the real economy. But over in Europe, the Europeans said, no, we're not pausing, we're not waiting, we're going to be ultra-aggressive, ultra-buying into that core consumer price story. But over in China, the Chinese are moving in the exact opposite direction. China is now actively cutting interest rates and becoming a little bit panicky in the way they're responding to conditions in the real economy. It is central bank bedlam especially in the world's three largest economies, all looking at the situation and coming to different conclusions because of one common theme. The global economy is indeed coming apart, but it's doing so before consumer price numbers, especially in the West, get back to where central banks want them to be. So the central banks in the West who have had consumer price problems are focusing on those, though they can see the economic weakness that the Chinese are able to focus exclusively on because they haven't had the same consumer price issue. But Western central bankers, especially the hawks at the Fed and the ECB, they're making three key mistakes, especially by focusing on these core rates. And those, those mistakes are first, by focusing on the core rate, they're dismissing the signal that we're getting from especially oil prices. Oil prices going lower somehow doesn't represent inflation to these people when oil prices going higher absolutely did just a little while ago. They're also, they're also making the mistake in believing that core prices in particular, but overall consumer prices, they come down in some kind of linear or straight line fashion. When history shows that's not the case at all. In fact, if you look back through history, what you see is that consumer prices, particularly core prices, they don't break down until the end. They're the last things that actually show up in a deflationary recession. And the third mistake is the usual one, not understanding what consumer prices are all about. Central bankers always point to the labor market thinking there's some kind of Phillips curve relationship here. In hiking their interest rates today, the ECB, basically came out and blatantly stated two of those three mistakes in their statement. Indicators of underlying price pressures remain strong, although some show tentative signs of softening. Staff have revised their, their projections for inflation, excluding energy and food, that's the core rate, especially for this year and next year, owing to past upward surprises and the implications of the robust labor market for the speed of disinflation. So again, Phillips curve labor market, as we talked about yesterday, this labor market might be even more lagging and behind the times than normal because of labor hoarding. Now recall back, I mentioned this before, depending, on, depending upon core prices to tell you what the inflationary, what's likely to happen in consumer prices and the overall economy is a fool's errand. In 2008, the core US PCE deflator, that stayed relatively steady all the way until August and September 2008 and really didn't take a turn into disinflation, really deflation, until October 2008 when the worst of the worst economic and financial and monetary circumstances all combined at the same time. 
The same thing in Europe. If you look at Europe's core HICP rate or harmonized index of consumer prices, largely the same. In fact, it was even more lagging, even more backward looking because the core PCE rate year over year had been relatively steady between 1.8, 1.92% until January of 2009. It wouldn't get under 1% year over year until January of 2010. So if you're thinking the core rate is going to tell you when this inflation has happened, when the economy is starting to actually cool down, it's not going to move until the economy is absolutely in the toilet. And it's in the toilet, which is exactly what the, the folks in Beijing, the communists over there in China, are becoming more and more afraid of. So while the ECB is aggressively hiking, the Fed doesn't know if it wants to hike or pause or hike or do whatever just now, the PBOC lowered its MLF rate, which is opening the door and setting the stage for a cut in the loan prime rates a little bit later on. What a mess in central bankers because we have an absolute mess in the global economy. Lots of huge deluge of data. And we're going to take a look at the biggest pieces today, which confirm even though CPIs are still uncomfortable for central banks, the global economy is nothing like the CPIs. It's uncomfortable in the way the Chinese are afraid of. But first, I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. If you're interested, Eurodollar University has memberships available. We go into the Eurodollar system, what it is, why it's supposed to work, what it's supposed to do, why it isn't doing what it's supposed to do. Those are all available at the Eurodollar University website. We also do research subscriptions of daily briefing. I contribute to marketsinsiderpro.com. That's a bundle with Tracy Shukart and Mr. Steven Van Meter. I also do a daily brief or daily deep dive analysis, in addition to the daily briefing, a daily deep dive analysis at the Eurodollar University website, where we dive deep into the macro and money factors behind everything that's going on in our financial and economic world. All the information available for you at Eurodollar.com university. It's understandable why the Chinese are behaving that the, the way they're behaving. First of all, they've said, we don't want to get involved in the economy. Despite the lockdowns last year, they thought, well, reopening will slowly ramp up this year, and that should be enough for them to hit their growth targets, even though the growth targets are massively reduced, especially compared to the pre-2020 environment. Forget about anything before 2010 and 2008. So the Chinese have said, we're going to let the economy do what it's going to do. And we're not really going to get involved unless it gets to be, unless it really looks like we're getting into a worst case scenario. So the last time the PBOC forced rates lower was last August amidst the lack of reopening uh, surge and boost in the, in the face of a reopening after Shanghai in the middle of last year. That one didn't work out so well. So the Chinese in August said, maybe we're going to lower our interest rates a little bit just to make sure the, the economic and financial situation doesn't get out of control on the downside. Since then, no matter what has happened, more downside in the economy than the, the really the, the quick turnaround from reopening surge to now, oh my God, it's all falling apart, which the data shows, in, as we'll see in a minute, now we're getting reduced interest rates. Talk about maybe an, another RRR cut on top of the LPR that's likely to be reduced in the days ahead. And just a reminder, these interest rate cuts don't actually work. They don't do anything. They only tell us 
what the Chinese government is perceiving about economic risk because they don't have any, I mean, they're never effective. They don't, they don't stabilize the economy. They certainly don't, uh, they certainly don't stimulate economic, sustainable economic growth. So if the Chinese are cutting rates, that doesn't tell us to be optimistic about the future. That tells us, oh my God, something must be going on that even the communist Chinese are being forced to react to it. And today's data on top of the credit data that we got earlier in the week, in fact, the NBS or the National Bureau of Statistics over there made it a repeated point to point out the global economic environment because it's easier to point the finger at somebody else than it is to say, hey, everything that we've been trying to do, including reopening, just hasn't done the trick. The NBS spokesperson started out by saying, the international environment is complicated and severe, and the overall growth of the world economy is sluggish. But facing the difficult situation of shrinking external demand, my country has actively developed trade with countries along the Belt and Road, stabilized the foreign trade markets of traditional trading partners, I'm not sure what they're talking about there, and promoted the stability and quality of foreign trade, and the effect continued to show. The effect continued to show in what? other than these words. Translation, it was supposed to be fine, but it's not fine. The global economic environment, the difficult situation of shrinking external demand, combined with the fact that reopening hasn't produced the impact that they wanted, all of it is leading China's economy in the wrong direction and in the wrong direction very quickly. I think that's the biggest point here and what's really alarmed uh, policymakers and authorities in Beijing is how quickly we went from Hey, everything looks really good to holy crap, it doesn't. And here's the holy crap, it doesn't part. Starting with industrial production for the month of May, year over year change was just 3.5%. Remember, there was a time 7% was thought to be the absolute limit. And that wasn't all that long ago. Now we're at 3.5% during, what is this, month six, month five of reopening? maybe month four of full-scale full, full reopening in China, three and a half percent. So there's the shrinking external demand that the spokesperson was, person was talking about. And because May of 2022 was an easy comparison, three and a half percent is even worse than it suggests. The two-year change is just 2.1% per year. 2.1% per year for two years running here. And there's no excuse for this. There's no lockdowns. There's no pandemic politics. There's only global recession. The global recession that the ECB policymakers can't see, but some of the Fed officials can. Uh, Wang Xin, who is the chief statistician of the industry department of the MBS, had this to say about it. Overall industrial production continued to recover in May. Sorry, this is just hilarious. The industrial economy still faces problems such as weak growth momentum and sufficient demand, insufficient demand, but it takes hard work to promote the high quality development of the industrial economy. There's your communist sloganeering on top of what is really ugly economic statistics. And they only continue from there. Retail sales. We've heard endlessly about how Chinese households and consumers have piled up cash over the last couple of years, haven't been able to spend it, and are just dying and itching to get out there and spend. We got a lot of news articles earlier, th earlier in the month of May during the Golden Week, how Chinese consumers and households, they were traveling all over China, freely spending money. Not according to the MBS numbers. The MBS says that retail sales were up 12.7% from last May, which again, sounds terrific, 
until you realize that last May retail sales had been down by 6.7%. That means on a two-year basis, so May 2023 compared to May 2021, retail sales, nominal retail sales are up just 5.1%. That's 2.5% per year, which is even worse than the 2.6% two-year change per year in uh, April, last month. The big one though might be even beyond industrial production, even beyond weak retail sales, fixed asset investment. Like Chinese credit, fixed asset investment has really fallen off, especially in April and May, which makes sense because a lot of fixed asset investment requires funding. So no borrowing, no lending, no activity. The numbers here are just incredibly weak. Fixed asset investment on an accumulated basis, basis, so this is total investment across the Chinese economy, both public as well as private. And this is accumulated, which means year to date. So January, all the way through the end of May, those five months combined compared to the same five months in 2022, which were not a good five months in 2022. Fixed asset investment on a cumulative basis, just 4.0%. And that's down sharply from April where the accumulated rate was just was 4.7 and 5.1 in March. To see accumulated numbers fall this quickly tells you how fast fixed asset investment is falling off as those accumulated numbers go down. The accumulated rate for private fixed asset investment was minus 0.1%, a minus accumulated rate. That's something we haven't seen outside of the weakest periods in China's ec recent economic history. No wonder they're panicking in Beijing. Even, even the fixed asset investment from state-owned enterprises has declined down to 8.4% from 9.4%. So there's not a whole lot of fiscal boost going on either. So you take it overall, look at China's economic situation, and it begins to explain and look like the biggest number that's probably most alarming folks in Beijing, and that's the youth jobless rate, which hit an all-time high of 20.8%. That's ages 16 to 24. So recent high school and college graduates, a fifth of them are not working, and more and more that graduate can't find work, which means the economy is they're not firing workers over in China, but they're not hiring new ones as they come of age, which is a huge, huge economic warning sign, as well as social and political problem. So they're starting to panic in Beijing because this is a global issue, not just a China issue. U.S. economic data, um, retail sales today, they, those were up 0.3% month over month. They were thought maybe they were going to decline, but 0.3% is not a huge increase. And it continues the volatility that we've seen over the last six months or so. Retail sales were up in October, then down worse in November, down again in December. Christmas was a bust. Then up huge in January. Remember January? It seems like a long time ago as consumers came out bargain shopping. Then down in February, down more because it was revised lower in March. And then up a little bit in April, up a little bit again in May. Uh, May was boosted a little bit by auto spending. But overall, retail sales in May year over year increased just 1.7%, which is not a big number of an increase. And that's nominal change. In real terms, retail sales are down 2.4%, which means Americans spent almost 2% more to get more than 2% less, which 
That's how you end up with a recession. So even if retail sales are not falling off precipitously, they are falling off slowly. And remember, businesses around the economy, not just in the United States, but also in China and the rest of the world, were thinking that retail sales would, wouldn't slow down at all. They were going to continue to grow at the same rates that they had in 2021 and early 2022. So they're producers around the world are being surprised by this weakness, including domestic producers. Industrial production in the United States fell 0.2% on a monthly basis, let's May from April. There were uh, industrial production, the index was up just 0.2% year over year. That's inching very close to the negative number, which has historically been a solid recession signal. Industrial production since October, November is actually down fractionally. So there's been a change in uh, direction there, change in trend toward more weakening because of nominal spending coming down. And on and on and on you go. Manufacturing, that's down on a year-over-year -year basis. Production slowed. So what we're seeing is, again, central banks around the world are confused. They're, they're confused because they can see the economy slowing down, but it hasn't yet translated into particularly core consumer price rates. And it won't translate into core consumer price rates until we get to the worst parts of the deflationary recession. So if central banks are waiting for core rates to come down, they're going to wait till we're in the exact thick of those worst parts. Except the Chinese. The Chinese are saying, we can't afford to wait. We need to act now because we can see that downside coming. The Chinese don't want to act. They're being forced to act because global deflationary recession. I'm Jeff. This is Eurodollar University. Thank you very much for joining me. As always, huge thank you, Eurodollar University research subscribers, marketsinsiderpro.com research subscribers, and of course, all our Eurodollar University members. My sincere thank you. Until next time, take care.